0: Hi folks, Pastor Andy here from Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. I'm excited that you chose to join us this morning for our uh, Sunday morning worship service. Now, during this COVID-19 crisis, we understand that a lot of churches have had to uh, be placed on hold and a lot of lives have had to be placed on hold. We also understand that during a time such as this, uh, many people can... amidst the storms. And so this is no different. We're we're coming to you uh, live these ways uh, so that we can uh, hopefully be a blessing and a benefit to you. Uh, It's our desire to show you the person of Jesus Christ. So thank you for joining us. Uh, There are many ways that you can become actively involved here at Liberty Bible Church, even though we have not yet started meeting once again in person. Uh, we have several projects going on around the property in, uh, in an effort to prepare ourselves for going back to in-person services. We've been painting, we've been uh, pulling weeds, and all different types of things. If you'd like to get involved with that, please let us know. Uh, you can communicate with myself, one of the deacons, put a uh, comment in the comment section of our live stream, and we'll make sure to contact you and let you know some of the ways that you too can get involved. Uh, if you're looking for a way to support the ministry, uh, you can go to our website, growinliberty.org, and there's a link in the uh, main menu there that work to where you can give uh, to the uh, ministry in several different ways, be it mail, uh, be it in person, or even online or via text. Uh, we, we are so thankful that you chose to be with us, and we do not take that lightly. And so we want to get right into our services today. And so join us as we sing, and then here in just a moment, I'll bring the message to you. So God bless you, and let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are always in control. We thank you, Father, that you're never surprised. You're never caught off guard. You're never unaware of what's taking place, but you know. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that the mind of Christ would also be in us during this time. And, Father, there are places that are requesting things of us that maybe we don't understand. There are businesses that are, are scared. There are businesses that are, uh, are, are even trying to capitalize on this type of an issue. And so, Father, what we ask, Lord, is that you would give us the mind of Christ and that you would uh, develop that in us. And, Father, that we would surrender ourselves to you more and more on a daily basis. Father, help us, Lord, to be a light in this lost and dying world. Help us to not be self-centered, self-motivated. Help us not to be uh, too quick uh, to become aggravated. Help us, Father, to present well the image of God. And, Father, that through our humble servanthood, through our submissiveness, and through our putting others above ourselves, we pray, Father, that in a mighty way, you would sing gloriously lifted up. You would seen as all-sufficient. And as a result of folks uh, observing our church and the church at large, Father, we just pray, Lord, that your Son would be seen high and lifted up. And, Father, that people would have a desire to know him because they, because they see something different in us. Father, we want, Lord, to present your gospel in a very real way and in a very powerful way. So give us boldness to speak. Father, give us courage to stand. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen. Well, let's get started with some songs. We are praying that come the first Sunday in June, we will be back together uh, in person in, uh, uh, on Sunday morning services, 11 o'clock. You set your reminders, again, first Sunday in June. God bless you. Let's sing a couple songs.
1: Come let us adore Come, let us adore Him.
0: Well, good morning. I'm glad that everybody was able to join us. Uh, We've had a little bit of technical difficulties this morning, so I apologize. Uh, Please help us pass the word around uh, as to uh, how we're on Facebook today only. Um, So we'll... By God's grace, get that addressed later today so that uh, uh, we can, uh, if nothing else, we can post the video there a little bit later. But be praying and uh, be excited. God's word is going out um, and we're going to grow despite the circumstances in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ today. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Philippians, Uh, Philippians Chapter number 2, Philippians chapter 2, look with me if you would at uh, verses 19 uh, through the fulfillment and we're going to take a a close look today in in chapter 1, we have seen uh, the life of the believer, Uh, for me to live is Christ. And chapter number two, we notice the mind of the believer. Uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And uh, as we make our way through uh, toward the end of this chapter, um, those, there are those out there who might say something to the effect of, well, I'm not perfect, and so I cannot attain uh, this mind uh that is not the case and as uh um, as paul will give to us here in these verses uh we are uh, able uh, to live the mind of christ through the holy spirit and through his uh leading and uh, uh the way he changes us from the inside out and so for those who would uh, possibly say to paul uh, that's a, that's a tall order I cannot live that type of lifestyle. I cannot live that mindset. He gives to us a couple of examples of people who are living this mind. Now, will they live it perfectly? No. Uh, However, they do have the ability because of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within them. And so it's important to note that Paul does give examples. And generally, when Paul makes reference to... Uh, other individuals, it's at the conclusion of the letter. Um, he'll uh, give greetings from certain people, or he'll make reference to sending someone. Uh, that's generally at the end of the uh, at the end of the letter that he's writing. Here in Philippians, however, he makes mention right at the end of verse number two. He makes mention of a couple of men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and he does so. Uh, not as he would normally refer to other people. He does so as an example of what he has just taught us. And so he told us about being united. He taught us about um, uh, having this mind of Christ. And so he gives to us here a couple of examples uh, in in Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, take a look with me, if you would, uh, in verse number 19. And... Uh, Let me pull this up real fast. Verse number 19 of Philippians chapter number 2. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him, therefore, the more carefully, that when you see me again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, To supply your lack of service. Toward me. Let's ask God's wisdom as we get into his word this morning. Our father who art in heaven. You truly truly are. Hallowed. And father we come before you Lord. Recognizing just how amazing you are. We come before you Lord recognizing just how glorious you are. Father we. Pray, Lord, that we would remove any thought of self today, that we would remove any thought of personal opinion or personal goals, and, Father, that we would place others ahead of ourselves today, Father, that we would place you above all, and God in heaven, that as a result of our uh, meeting with you this morning, that, Father, our lives would be affected, Our lives would be changed for the gospel's sake. And Father, that we would become more like Christ. So Father, let us go through this moment. Let us uh, exit this hour with the very smell of heaven upon us. Father, that we would be different. And Father, that we would be changed in a mighty way. Work in us, Father. And as you work in us, We pray, Father, that we would have the boldness, the courage, and, Father, the fortitude to work out our own salvation. Father, we pray these things in Your Son's name and for His sake. Amen. It's important to note uh, before we get into our uh, uh, section today, I I was looking at this and I was trying to condense verse 19 all the way through verse 30 into one message and I'm I'm afraid I'm going to have to split that up. So you're getting part one today uh, of the uh, examples of servanthood and then next week we'll take a look at part number two and we'll focus uh, in the two different parts. Part one we'll be focusing in on Timothy, and then part number two, we'll be focusing in on Epaphroditus. Now, before we go any further, uh, it's important to note verses 17 and 18 because we see Paul's rejoicing and why he was rejoicing. If you'll, uh, if you'll notice with me, he says in verse 17, "Yea, And if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy... And rejoice with you all for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice in me. I want you to notice where Paul's rejoicing is, where he is finding uh, his, his, uh, his joy and his, uh, his opportunity to find uh, an, uh, uh, an avenue of rejoicing in the midst of what's going on. Remember, he is in prison. Don't forget that he is, uh, he is uh, isolated and he is uh, put off to the side. But he says, I find an opportunity and an occasion to find joy and to rejoice in you with you all. Notice that word with, that he is is rejoicing with the Philippians. Can can we honestly say these type of things? You know, uh, there are many times uh, that, uh, that you you've got to wonder: Are people joyful or not? And how many times do you see people come into the church building or walk around this world today, and they have a grimace and a scowl on their face? And you just wonder: Is there any evidence of joy in their life? When people say, "Well, Pastor Andy, you've got to understand, I'm able to have joy, but I don't," I, I, but but it it, it diminishes. Over time, and and it uh, can be robbed, and things can rob me of my joy. No, 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 no! Please understand. There's a difference between your happiness and your joy. Notice that happiness that uh, deals with the the circumstances and the things that we're uh, that are around us. Uh, most generally, happiness is found in stuff or in people or in uh, uh opportunities but joy true joy comes from jesus christ and paul's joy was found in their faith and in their service to the lord jesus christ so if i base my my joy what i find joy and if i base that on something that is unchangeable my joy can never be diminished now, I can go through this life, and I can have certain things that I, that I like and that I love and that I want to, uh, to, to, to uh, uh, collect and to, uh, to make me uh, find pleasure. I can do those type of things, and I find happiness in them. But that's not where my joy should be founded. You see, I, I, I am happy sitting down eating a steak, yes, but that's not where my joy comes in. I am am happy when I am with my wife, but my joy is in the person of Jesus Christ. If my joy is dependent upon my wife, that's way too, uh, too, too high of an order. That's way too much of an expectation to place on her or any other thing or any other person in this world. My joy is found. It is, it is uh, uh, not able to be removed, not able to be diminished, not able to, uh, to be lost. And I find my joy in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is where Paul was when he says, I find great cause and I am able to rejoice with you. Why? Because the Philippians found their joy in Jesus Christ as well. You want to know why many times people, uh, you you enter into the church house and, and sometimes you walk in and you just think, wow, this is a, a wonderful place and a wonderful occasion and you're singing songs that should be joyful songs. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. All creatures of our God and King and people have this grimace, looks like they just sucked on a persimmon for a half hour and they just look at you with this odd look. And if somebody dare say praise the Lord or dare say amen, you have this cross eyed glance going we're in church you shouldn't act like that we ought to be joyful people and we're singing about the one thing that ought to bring us more joy in life than anything else we ought to be able to find joy in that well i'm a different person when i go to the basketball game pastor andy i'm awful solemn in the church house but when my grandkids or my children or my brothers and sisters, when they're... Oh, we, just, we know how to cut up and have a good time there, Pastor Andy. Because we really know how to be happy in those type of situations. Your joy is located in the wrong area. Paul had the opportunity... To rejoice, but why? Notice what it says. Yea, and if I be offered upon a sacrifice and service, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. If you look back just a few verses, or actually go back to the previous chapter, chapter number 1, and look at verse 12 with me. But I would... Ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out, rather, unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the place, that palace, and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other uh, of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therein do I rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Do you see that? Paul said, if I am offered as, an, uh, as a sacrifice, in other words, if I lose my life for the sacrifice or for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm okay with that because the end result is that you were emboldened and you were ready to go out into the world and into the streets, into the highways, into the hedges and proclaim Christ. He says, I'm okay with that. And I rejoice with you. They were emboldened. If you notice there, his imprisonment led to the Philippians' bolder proclamation of the gospel. And likewise, he he believed if he was martyred, his death would further the gospel. And this boldness would just be increased the more and the more. That's why he says here in chapter number 2, Verse 8 is 17 and 18. And if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all but then he was confident in verse 18. He says, for the same cause also do ye joy. Now this is kind of one of those things where, uh, uh, Paul is, is, is increasing the idea of their faith and their rejoicing. And he says, Hey, let me get your focus on this. Let me bring you back over here because we've talked about unity. We've talked about humility. We have talked about self-serving, uh, uh, lack of self-serving. We've talked about uh, selflessness. We've talked about all that. And I want to." remind you of where your joy is located your joy is in your faith and where is your faith placed in the person of Jesus Christ this is why so many people can very quickly lose their joy because their faith is not placed in Jesus Christ their faith may be placed in something else maybe their faith is placed in their church attendance we've been we've not been able to meet now for a couple months Is your faith gone? Maybe their faith has been placed in a prayer that they prayed one time or their faith has been placed in how much they read the Bible or their faith has been placed in the in the emotion that they get when they sing a song or in the emotion that they get when when they uh, when they uh, act a certain way or they speak a certain way. If that's where your faith is located and if I don't get to do this or I'm not able to do that, then my faith is gone, which means my joy is gone. You have your faith in the wrong thing you are not placing your faith in the person of jesus christ if that's the case can a christian can a believer a true believer in god go through dark times absolutely absolutely but if my faith is in him those times will not linger long if my faith is in him i am reminded and sure the Philippians were, were sad when Paul was thrown into prison. And I, I am positive when he, was fi- when he finally met his end, I'm sure there were people in the Philippian church who were, who were saddened that the Apostle Paul was martyred. I'm not saying that they were jumping up and having a party, woohoo! Paul got killed. That's not what that was happening. But they were quickly reminded God's gospel is going forth. And they rejoiced in that. Now. There's an application to this that we can draw for today. In this time of quarantine. In this time of quarantine. And people are are put off to the side. They're isolated. They're, uh, they're not able to uh, do what they want to do. Listen, understand the beauty of this because, in the midst of uh, of all of this isolation social distancing stuff god's uh, god 's word has been thrust into the airwaves in unprecedented in an unprecedented manner, and here 's what we need to look at. we need to quit looking at the poor me, woe is me i don 't get to go to Walmart the way I want to go to walmart i can't go out to eat where I want to go out to eat i can't go jump on this or have a have a good time over here and, and my vacations are cut short, and my this is is that. And instead of focusing on that, be praising the Lord that the gospel has entered into the airwaves. It's, it's flooding the internet in ways that has never before been done. Rejoice in that. You know, the sad thing is so many people miss going to church, but they don't miss Christ. Why do we go to church? We go to church because iron sharpens iron. In other words, being around fellow believers makes me more like Christ. And so what's the goal in that? Is the goal being around fellow believers? Or is the goal becoming more like Christ? We come to a place such as this and we rejoice together, we worship together because we love Him. And so many people, oh, I I can't wait to get back to the church services. Oh, I so miss going to church. Really? There's a bajillion churches today preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single person has an opportunity in their own home to spend time in the Word of God. Do you just miss church? Or are you getting excited I've talked to several people recently who have told me, oh, you know, I do miss going to church. And we're going to look at that a little closer next week because Epaphroditus had such a great love and he longed after uh, uh, the people of uh, uh, Philippi. He longed after his church family. And I understand that. I long to be with my church family again. But I've had several people tell me, you know what, Pastor Andy? During this time, my relationship with Christ has grown so sweet and so much stronger. This is what we're all about. This is what we want. We desire to be with Christ. And I desire to be with the people who are going to show me more about Christ. That's what church is all about. Making me more like Him. I'm able to be around His Word more. Is that honestly our desire? Notice verse 19. Look what it says here. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you. you. Drop down, if you would, to verse 24. But I trust in the Lord. I love this statement. You see, Paul did not trust in his own abilities. He did not trust in his own strength to be able to get through this time in prison. He did not trust in the legal system to be able to, uh, uh, to free him. He did not trust in a lawyer, in a doctor, or any of that. You know what he trusted in? The Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I trust in the Lord Jesus. Can you say that today? Look at someone sitting next to you on the couch or there, and uh, maybe you're in the car and you're driving somewhere and you've got it on. I hope you're not watching if you're driving, but may, look at the person next to you and just simply say this I trust in the Lord Jesus. Can you say that? Well, I, I do trust in the Lord, but. What about, what about what the doctors are saying about these masks? What about what the doctors are saying about, these, uh, about hand sanitizer? What about what the doctors are saying about the kids? What about what the doctors are saying? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. wait a minute, wait a minute. I trust in the Lord Jesus. Well, what about some of the churches? They never closed their doors. What about some of the churches? They kept having life, uh, life services. What about some of the churches? Listen, we're going to follow the doors uh, walk through the doors and follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ in this not what this person says what that person says what that church down the road does what that church down the road doesn't do no we're going to trust the lord and we're going to move forward with this well well you know the the government's trying to do this or or satan's trying to attack in this way listen <laughs> god is so much more powerful than any any principality, power, anything on this earth. He is so much more powerful than Satan. I trust the Lord. And if he decided to let this type of a thing happen, I trust the Lord. I don't think God's up in heaven going, Oh no, COVID-19. Well, I guess the game's up. (laughs) He says, I'm still in control. Notice, uh, no circumstance, no people, no activity, nothing like that. Nothing caused, uh, caused Paul to waver in his trust of the Lord. Now, if you look at verse 19 and then into verse number 20, he says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care For your state. Some may say, well, Paul trusted his way, and that's why he sent Timothy, because he knew Timothy would do it his way. No, that's not what Paul says. He says, I know Timothy is like minded in that he will care. Let's look at some of the ways that he was like minded. Look at uh, verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Timothy was not perfect. But like Paul, Timothy was mindful of others. He had others always in his mind. When I think of this type of a mentality, my, uh, my mind goes back to George Mueller. And if you've never read uh, a biography on George Mueller, I highly encourage you to do so. Um, but uh, they, they say that when he passed away, they were looking through some of his Bibles. And around the uh, margins, all around the margins of every page in his Bible was one word written repeatedly over and over and over again. Others. 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 I think George Mueller figured out how to have the mind of Christ. Others. Timothy. Timothy was very quick to put others first. Let's look at, at, at uh, some of this here. Look at First uh, Timothy with me, if you would. First Timothy chapter number 5. let's see what uh, Paul is encouraging Timothy on here. And I believe that Timothy, if you were to study Timothy's life, maybe he was a a little afraid of confrontation. Uh, Maybe he was uh, uh, a little unsure of what to do, or perhaps he was just humble enough to ask the right questions. And and there are many times where uh, uh, people, they, they know the answer, but they ask the question anyway because they want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. Now, there are some people who they ask questions just to get verified. But I believe Timothy was a humble man, and maybe he was asking Paul certain questions, and Paul was responding to him. But look at verse number 11 with me, if you would, of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And withal, they learn to be idle wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers and busybodies, speaking things which they ought. This is something that the apostle Paul was encouraging Timothy on, when in reference to uh, should a widow uh, remarry at some stage of the game, and and he's uh, uh, the apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy to take the younger widows and yes, encourage them to become uh, to get married again, and he he gives an explanation as to why because if they have too much time on their hands, what they what they've got to be careful of now, you all can get you you ladies can get mad as you want. I'm just reading the Bible to you. What it says in verse 13 says, And with all they learned to be idle, wandering from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. The exact opposite of someone who is others-minded is a gossip, a busybody. And what Paul was encouraging in this specific case to his servant Timothy, was to teach people how to put others first. Drop back to 2 Thessalonians, just a, couple, just a few pages before, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Look, at, uh, look with me in verse number 7. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. As now, now, pause for station identification. If you, if, maybe you've said it or maybe you've heard it before, where you know, don't be a follower of persons, don't be a follower of me, only follow Jesus Christ and don't ever look to Now, wait a minute. The Apostle Paul said we tried to live a certain way so that you could follow us. It's a very easy cop-out for me to say to someone, don't ever just follow me. Don't ever look to me. And and yes, I say those kind of things too. There are times where uh, someone will say, well, I'd like to be just like you. And I say, well, no, you don't want to be just like me. You want to be like Christ. But that doesn't mean that I don't have something to show or something to teach. Look what he says in verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither Should he eat for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, not at all uh, working, not at all, but are busy bodies. Now, them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well doing. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians in this passage, and he's letting them know, look, I understand that many of you are others-minded, but it's very easy to get sick and tired of being others-minded. Don't grow weary in that. Yes, I know that there are some out there who are being busybodies, who are walking disorderly. They're not walking in the unity. That's not others-mindedness. But those who are trying to be others-minded, don't grow weary in that. Look at the second thing if you want to go back to Philippians with me. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Timothy was not just others centered, others minded. Timothy was focused on the things of Christ rather than himself. And he was Christ centered. Christ centered. Well, come on, Pastor Andy. I mean, Christ, Jesus is a big part of my life. You've got it wrong. Well, you know, I, this is the type of person I am, and I like to go to church when I can or when I, when, when I feel okay about doing it. <clears throat> Stop. Stop right there. Timothy was focused on Jesus Christ. Nobody, notice there he says in verse 21, For all seek their own not the things of, which are Jesus Christ's. In other words, the natural man seeks what benefits him, not what benefits the work of Jesus Christ. When I get to the place where I stop focusing in on the person of Jesus Christ, I'm reverting to the natural man. I've got to understand that if I am a new creature, I quit worrying about the things that only benefit me, and I focus on Him. John chapter seventeen verse three, Jesus says, "says that This is life that uh, they would know God and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent." You know, Think about it for just a moment, how Timothy was willing to be sent wherever Paul wanted him to go for the sake of the gospel. You, do you notice that? He says, uh, he says uh, verse number 19, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you. Timothy was, going to be, was willing to leave his comfort, leave his companion, take this long, arduous journey to Philippi, just for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God's work. Here's, here's the question that we need to ask. Are we willing to serve God even at the times where it's uncomfortable? Are we willing to do for the cause of Christ? Oh, I don't like going to church because it's too cold there. And they've always got those air conditioners turned up or or they don't turn the heat up enough or, and, or oh, it's always so hot and i got I gotta fan myself oh, it's always so, you know those pews are uncomfortable and 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 now they're talking about going down to this other place, and I don't know, I just mm, you know I'm, I'm okay doing what I want to do when I want to do it how I want to do it and God I'll be happy to serve you as long as you, you take me somewhere that I enjoy, but please don't send me somewhere where they eat weird stuff, or please don't send me somewhere where it's 120 in the shade or please don't send me somewhere where it's frigid and cold or please don't do this. You know, I'll do whatever you want as long as it's within these parameters. That wasn't Timothy's mindset. Actually, go back to the Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 21. It says, for me to live... Is Christ. Look at the person sitting on the couch next to you and just look at them and say, Help me to make this my life. For me to live is Christ. Look at verse twenty two now. It says, But ye know proof of him that as a son with the Father, he hath served me in the gospel. Timothy was, was not only uh, others-minded, not only Christ-centered, but Timothy was submissively humble. He was submissively humble. Look, Timothy was not looking to make a name for himself. That name was made because he was humbled. You know, you look back into all the different people in history and how many of them, they made a, they made a name for themselves as being evil? Or God made a name for them because they were humble? You see people who were proud and arrogant, and you see people who were humbled. I mean, what, what did Timothy write any of the books of the Bible? No. The Apostle Paul referred to this man as worthy of our attention through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And we are now given a a front row seat into the ministry of Timothy because he was a humble servant of God. He was submissively humble. Not looking to make a name for himself, but he humbled himself. Do you want to be great in the sight of God or do you just want to be great in the sight of yourself and when you look in the mirror or in the sight of others around you? Here's, here, listen, there are there a are thousand and one people who are able to sing a song in the church, but there, there are few and far between who are humbled to be passed over and say, whatever the Lord wants me to do, that will I do. It, it, it's nothing for us to... Get up in front of a group of people, get up in front of a, uh, an area. I, I remember uh, talking to uh, one young man, this was years ago, and uh, we were talking about uh, what the Lord would do and uh, how, how he would how he would use us. And and, and uh, I remember he said, you know, I, I've, I've gone to large churches all my life and I just don't think I would ever pastor a small church. I said, well, why not? He says, well, I've got a lot better education and I should be pastoring something big. So I'm going to hold out for something bigger. Please, please hear me on this. There is nothing bigger than serving the Lord. Whether you're, you're speaking to two or two million people, there is nothing bigger than serving the Lord. And so if we if we get this big head about ourselves and we say, well, you know what? Uh, so, uh, Brother John's teaching a Sunday school class. Brother Troy teaches a Sunday school class. But I'm not teaching a Sunday school class. And, and when I talk to uh, the deacons or the pastor about something, they, they suggest I start a Bible study in my home with two or three people. Well, that's, I, I got more to give than that. I want to be teaching a, a big group of people i want to be teaching a class i got more to offer than that and if they can't see that then i'm going to take my bat and ball and i'm going home and people get up and they leave churches for the most foolish reasons timothy was submissively humble well these people don't see my gifts and my abilities and me 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 and i have so much more to offer What can be greater than serving Jesus in any way? If you give a cup of cold water in my name, he says, I will bless it. Look at the next thing here. Not only was he submissively humble, not only did he submit himself. Notice the way he submitted himself. You see there in verse 22? He says, but you know the proof of him that as a son with the father. You see that? As a son with the father. Sadly, in today's day and time, so many of the younger generation can't wait to take charge and kick the older generation to the curb. I have something to offer here and they need to listen to me. They need to uh, to pay attention to what I have to say. I'm so thankful that I have a, a, a deacon uh, body and I don't, I don't agree with the word board. You know, people say, and that's fine. This is just a personal pet peeve of mine, but the only board you find in the Bible is the one Paul was floating on when he was shipwrecked. But the deacon body that God has given to me, I'm, I'm going to throw them under the bus for a minute. Not one of them is younger than me. And I'm thankful for that. I rejoice. In that I have these older men, and you know the beautiful thing about it is I, I try the best that I can to submit to them, and they submit to me, and we just have this cyclical thing where we are. Uh, there's not one person on that board, on that body, uh, uh, that deacon body, that is so arrogant to get mad and say, "Well, you know that young whippersnapper preacher needs to be paying more attention to this," and and, and there's not one of us that get upset <coughs> and are unwilling to. Submit to one another, submissively being humble as a father and a son. And last, he was servant-minded. Timothy didn't look to be served. He wanted to serve. You see how it says there in verse 22. He says, as of a son with the father, he hath served me in the gospel. If you were to go over to the book of Galatians, just a few books before Philippians here, a couple books before Philippians. Go to Galatians chapter number 5. Look at verse 26 with me. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Kind of similar talking, isn't it, that we saw here in chapter number two? Look at chapter two of First of Philippians. Here it says in verse number three, "Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves." He was servant minded. Notice. Yet again, there in verse 24 with me. Look at verse 23 and 24. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord. That I also myself shall come shortly. You see, yet again. Yet again, Paul trusted in the Lord. Pastor Andy, what, what, why are we so focused in here on the way Timothy lived? Because the church should be one, uh, a place that selflessness is constantly on display. Constantly on display. The church is not the place for busybodies, for tattlers. The church is not the place for a gossip. And you want to know why we, why we see this so prevalently right here is because when I am gossiping or I am being a busybody or I and people say, oh, I just care about people. No, 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 stop right there. If you care about them, you will not air their dirty laundry. If you care about them, you will not uh, put yourself in a place where you are spreading rumors that may not be true. If you care about them, you would go talk to the person directly and you will confront them. If you care about the person... You're not going to be spreading things from house. Do you know what so-and-so did? This is what I heard. Really? Where would you hear it from? Well, I heard it from this person over here, and I heard it from that person over there. So you didn't hear it directly from the horse's mouth? Nope. But it's got to be true. (laughs) No. The church ought to exhibit selflessness, ought to exhibit humility, ought ought to exhibit submissiveness, ought to be Christ-minded, ought to be others-minded, and not going around and sharing everything that uh, that they think they know about other people. This is not the time for people to be spreading rumors and to be acting this way. The church should always exhibit selflessness. And back to today. You notice something? Paul was willing to send Timothy. But as we'll see next week, he was also willing to send Epaphroditus. He was willing to be isolated for their benefit. He was willing to send the only people who are still with him? Away. Would you or I do that? You know, I I, I got to have people around me. I, I got well, maybe there's somebody down the street who needs it more. The church should be the place that reveals others' mindedness above anywhere else. And it makes me nauseous when I see worldly organizations who are more concerned about others than God's church. It makes me sick to my stomach when people were standing in line somewhere and someone's got a, a, a Christian shirt on and, and they, they're standing in line griping and complaining and moaning and groaning about this and that and the other, these rules, those rules, that regulation, that regulation. And they're, they're so self-centered that they're not worried about the other person. It makes me sick to think that the church isn't capitalizing on an opportunity such as this. To reveal Christ in unprecedented ways. Church family, please understand me when I say I absolutely adore my church family. But for me to live, must be Christ, not my church family. I live for Him. And as a result of that, then I live for others. But if I live for others first, I have failed at the first commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second, is to love my neighbor. On those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Would you join with me? as we make Christ the center focus of our life, submitting ourselves, humbling ourselves, and serving others. Let's pray. Father, I thank You, Lord, for the way You do grant to us things that we don't deserve. Father, Your grace is so, so amazing. And Father, how You hold back from us Sometimes the things that we deserve because your mercy is way more than our sins ever could be. Father, help us, Lord, to live lives committed to serving one another. Because we live a life completely centered around the person of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your son's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.